This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. Getting the scouting report on Boston. Bruins radio voice Judd Surratt joins us. Back to practice today, getting ready for game one. And the Rangers in search of a coach, David Quinn. Fired in New York. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, May 13th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. All eyes on MedStar Capitals Iceplex later this morning as the Capitals return to practice with Game 1 of a best-of-seven series looming with the Boston Bruins. Will T.J. Oshie return to practice today? And will John Carlson be back? We've seen Carlson on the ice this week. We have not seen number 77, Ben Hoping for good news later on this morning. Yeah, I think TJ Oshie is maybe the biggest question mark here as far as the availability and what the injury status is there. Because to your point, Carlson at least was on the ice earlier in the week. So an encouraging sign in that regard. And for what it's worth, John Carlson on our flagship station, 106.7 The Fan yesterday. Carlson told Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye flat out. Yep, absolutely. He'll be good to go. And he sounded optimistic on TJ Oshie for what that's worth. I think we'll learn a little bit more today. If he is, in fact, on the ice, Oshie, that will be uh, an encouraging sign here and certainly the first step towards his return as they, again, try to get towards the optimal lineup, John. And then you got the questions as well about Evgeny Kuznetsov and the availability there. But certainly, TJ, for all the reasons we've chronicled here over the past few days, the intangibles, the presence on the power play, the two-way game, the leadership, the warrior mentality, such a key cog. When we saw two years ago what his loss in the postseason in the Carolina series did to the Capitals, certainly a guy you want back in your lineup as close to 100% as quickly as possible. Yeah, it seemed like John Carlson was good to go even a couple of days ago if it were the playoffs playing on that fourth pair in practice with Martin Ferravari, but certainly wouldn't be surprising to see him slot into the top six this morning. The rest of the schedule not yet available for the Caps and Bruins or any other series for that matter with the North Division still finishing up over the next few days. But what we do know about Caps-Bruins is this. It is going to be a very physical, nasty series. The Caps are built for this, not just with Tom Wilson, but with Alex Ovechkin, Brendan Dillon, the fourth line, especially Garnet Hathaway. This has to be a strength in this series for the Caps, Ben. Come out flying out of the gate Saturday night and make your physical presence known in this series. It's got to be one of the keys for Washington. Right, and thinking back to the 2018 Cup run, one of the the mantras of the team, one of the rallying points with the Capitals was the idea that each series – It's an investment. In the first few games, you lay the groundwork with the physicality, and you hope the deeper the series goes along, games five, six, potentially seven, you reap the benefits of that physical investment, and maybe the other team you know, starts to really feel that wear and tear. Because to your point, even three years later, the Capitals, a case could be made even more so, are built for that type of game just based on the roster construction and physicality they have up and down the depth chart. And especially, John, I want to say against that Boston Bruins blue line. I mean, Zdeno Chara, key story in this series, certainly. But I think they've missed a physical presence on that back end as well. A very skillful, very mobile Boston Bruins blue line. But I think if there's an area that could potentially be exploited, not to suggest they don't have any size back there, but if there is an area that could potentially be exploited, I think if the Capitals could get in on the four check lay that foundation, that investment, and get in physically. I think it's something that they could potentially reap the benefits from, not only in game one, but also as the series goes along. Judd Surratt going to join us next to talk about the Bruins. On special teams, the Capitals' power play 
really good against Boston this season. Drawing penalties and continuing to take advantage of opportunities is going to be important to the Capitals' chances in this series. Boston has to have a focus on staying out of the box in his best of seven, especially now with a healthy Alex Ovechkin ready to go. Special teams going to be so important in this series. Capitals trying to draw some power plays, and if they can take advantage of that, they got a real chance to win this thing. Especially in a series like this that has the potential, as as we've noted, to, to get chippy with that physicality and the nastiness and the animosity that's seemingly been brewing between these two teams uh, all season long, no pun intended there. But also of note on the power play, John, and boy, did we see this on Tuesday night in that final dress rehearsal the Capitals had in the regular season finale, the return of John Carlson. So valuable. I know it was only one power play chance the Capitals had on Tuesday in that season finale against Boston, but the looks that Ovechkin was getting from Justin Schultz and the lack of fluidity on some of those one-timer pass attempts that we saw the other night, you almost take it for granted the Carlson to, to Ovechkin setting him up for that one-timer in his wheelhouse, but such an asset that, that Carlson provides in that regard and that familiarity, something also looking forward to seeing once he returns, potentially as soon as game one here on Saturday. All right, so continuing our chat about the Boston Bruins as we get ready for Saturday night in Game 1, chatting with a guy now who I believe the last time, Judd, that we did a first-round matchup together where you were on one side and I was on the other, I think it was 2003, the Chicago Wolves and the Hershey Bears, All-State Arena, Giant Center. That didn't end well for my team, by the way, but Judd Surratt, voice of the Boston Bruins, joining us here. A pleasant good morning to you, sir. Johnny, that brings back some great memories playing uh, and seeing the Hershey Bears at the time. I think thinking back to the American Hockey League for the Wolves, that was their second season after the great merger when the IHL, again, a moment of silence for one of the great leagues of all time. Thank you. (laughs) When they merged with the American Hockey League in the first year of the merger, the Wolves won it. It didn't go quite as well as I remember it against the Hershey Bears that year. Yes, uh, overtime. I think Steve Malte might have been involved there, uh, an overtime winner, something like that. But uh, as we get back to present day, Judd, there's been a lot of discussion in this town about goaltending. No word yet on whether Ilya Samsonov is going to be able to return for this series. Vitek Vanacek likely to see his first postseason game on Saturday night. And then there's Craig Anderson, steady veteran hand, but seldom used this season, waiting in the wings. The Bruins seem to have an advantage on paper and goal in this series, at least, with Tuka Rask and now suddenly Jeremy Swayman, who's been very impressive. How do the Bruins deploy their goaltenders in this series? One would assume Rask, but Jeremy Swayman's numbers have been awfully impressive, too. Jeremy Swayman has done everything possible, Johnny, to wrestle that number two job away from Yaroslav Halak at the time. And I think the timing was just bad for a guy like Halak to start with the backup goaltending situation. Uh, I think Halak wound up on the COVID list. Jeremy Swayman came in. He seized the opportunity, and not only did he open the door, he kicked it down based on the way he played here down the stretch. And and just because where we are in the season and Halak coming back from COVID, not getting that many opportunities to play, the Bruins trying to press to get themselves into the playoffs maybe a couple of weeks ago, right around the trade deadline, it gave Jeremy Swayman the opportunity to be the backup goaltender for the Boston Bruins when they start the playoffs. But that said, Tuka Rask, is the definitive number one for the Bruins. He will go into the playoffs and get all the starts unless for some reason an injury presents itself or play may dictate that Jeremy Swayman has to come in. But Tuka Rask is a guy who has played a lot of playoff games in the past. He's led two different Bruins teams deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Bruins are hoping that he's able to play to his capabilities here again 
in what should be a very difficult series against the Capitals. Caps have been battling injuries late in the season. The Bruins are not going to feel sorry for them for all the injuries that the Bees had at midseason. Charlie Coyle seems to be the only significant piece that's still out, Judd. What's the latest on him, and might we see him for Game 1 on Saturday night? I think the Bruins are anticipating that Charlie Coyle will be available. So he's been practicing here for the last number of days. The Bruins opted in consulting with their medical staff that There was no upside to have him play these last few games. So Charlie Coyle, from what we were told by Bruce Cassidy, should be available to start the playoffs in game one on Saturday night against the Washington Capitals. But where he's deployed, I think, is really the question. So he ended the season playing on the right side. And that's not something that the Bruins anticipated. It is something we have seen a little bit since Charlie Coyle came over in a trade a couple of years ago from the Minnesota Wild. But He ended up playing on the right side with Sean Corrales and Nick Ritchie. They sort of threw that line together. The Bruins, even at the beginning of the season, Johnny, they wanted to be able to create a line with some size, whether it was a team that they were going to play in the Capitals or somebody else in the East Division in the playoffs. And those three, they got some traction together. Whether or not Bruce Cassidy starts that way in game one is a question mark, but Charlie Coyle should be in the lineup. Taylor Hall's been outstanding for the Bruins since coming over, or more, I guess, being set free from the Buffalo Sabres and coming to Boston. Postseason play, though, something he doesn't have a lot of. Boston needs him to keep going what he's been doing in the regular season. To me, one of the touch points of this series is, yeah, Hall's been very good. Can he do it now at the next level in the Stanley Cup playoffs? But he is a guy that doesn't have to be the guy where he was in New Jersey or Edmonton and teams where he didn't really get a lot of playoff experience. Now he's got to be a guy, and he's been a very good guy for this team. And, Johnny, that's the most significant point, that in the past he's been the focal point. But when he came here, one of the things that he said was, I just want to be a piece that helps us win. He has a guy playing in front of him in Brad Marchand who is going to draw the number one line. He's going to be out there with Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak. So it's a different situation for Taylor Hall. The expectations aren't as weighty as they have been in the past. And at the same time, as you mentioned, in his previous experiences in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he's never really been on a group quite like the Bruins that's as deep or as seasoned that he's going to have an opportunity to play with here in this first-round series against the Washington Capitals. Since he's come on board, he's been dynamic. He and David Krejci have been spectacular together. I think the big concern for the Bruins at the trade deadline that Donnie Sweeney and the organization wanted to address was how do we deepen our five-on-five scoring? And heading into last night's game, the Bruins were number one in five-on-five goals scored since the NHL trade deadline. They have two spectacular lines, at least here in the last 15 or 16 games, that the Washington Capitals are going to have to account for. What's the matchup going to be? Who's going to play on the right side on the blue line for the Washington Capitals to account for guys like Brad Marchand and Taylor Hall? What are those matchups are going to be? How will those minutes be delineated by Peter Laviolette and his staff? And I think that's something to watch for as this series unfolds. Not going to be in the production meeting for NBC's national show on Saturday, but if I was, I figure it's going to look a lot like this. Zidane Chara raising the cup over his head in a Bruins uniform, and then Zidane Chara wearing a capital sweater. Chara against the Bruins round one, what everyone's going to be talking about. This has happened now seven times this year where Chara has faced the Bruins, but I don't think anyone's going to be well-wishing him in New England this time around in a best-of-seven. It's got to be strange to see him on the other side now in a situation like this. 
it definitely is. But at the same time, you almost had a feeling that when he departed, because he departed within the division, you know that they were going to see one another once the Stanley Cup playoffs started. And here we are. So they begin playing here on Saturday night. And I think it's fascinating because a guy like Chara, as you mentioned, when he hoisted the cup in 2011, he has a clear understanding of the strengths of some of the key players of the Bruins. Guys like Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, and Brad Marchand, and Tuka Rask. But by the same token, those players also know Zdeno O'Chara, having been with him for such a long period of time. But it'll be a great subplot here during the course of, of this series, which I think everybody expects is going to be a lengthy, physical campaign between these two teams. And, and let's face it, this is the marquee series in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. No doubt about that. Not going to get an argument from me. Uh, Boston, the best team in the NHL since the trade deadline, Judd. They score goals. They don't allow much. Bottom line, what's the biggest key for the Bruins to keep the good times rolling as they try and eliminate the Capitals in this seven-game series? Well, Johnny, I think they have to play to their identity, and that is really the way they defend and the way they protect the front of their net. I think if they're able to do that and they're able to bring the work ethic and match that of the Washington Capitals, they can let some of their skill come through. If you look at the Bruins right now, they are deep, they're healthy, they're balanced. And what every team wants heading into the playoffs, in addition to health, is are you playing the type of hockey that you want to play? And I think that the Bruins can state that right now as they start the series against the Capitals. But as Mike Tyson once said, everybody can have a plan, and then they get punched in the face and see how they respond. But I think the Bruins have been around long enough, especially some of those core guys and some of the battles that they've been through and the cup that they won in 2011, that I think that they'll be prepared for what Washington is going to present. Well, we'll pour one out for the IHL in the meantime, but uh, Judd, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your perspective and hopefully we'll hear from you early and often as we go through this best of seven. Thank you, my friend. Johnny, thanks for having me on. It should be a great series. Thanks for having me. My man, Judd Surratt joining us here. I don't know if you knew that, Ben, that he and I go back almost 20 years. 2003, Hershey, Chicago, All-State Arena. It was a best of five back then. That was actually the first playoff series I ever did for Hershey. It got better after that. We got three rings, but it didn't go well in that series. And uh, Judd's a good guy. Good to uh, get that kind of perspective on what Boston has to offer in this series. Yeah, I was not aware that you went as far back as that in the early 2000s. A little affiliation change, I, I think, did use and the Hershey Bears some good as well, going back to the early 2000s. But yeah, great intel there as well. And, and again, that acquisition of Taylor Hall and the secondary scoring that he's provided. And as Judd noted, to get David Krejci going as well, such a key storyline for a Boston Bruins team, which again, since the trade deadline, for all the reasons he stated, and even more, just a, a well-oiled machine seemingly, and healthy as well here going into the postseason. So certainly uh, a tough challenge facing the Capitals, as you and Judd noted there. There's a lot of teams going into the offseason while the Capitals, Bruins, and 14 other teams are getting ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs. But some news from a team in the East that is out we want to cover before we leave you today. Elsewhere in East Division news, the New York Rangers fired most of their coaching staff yesterday, just days after concluding the regular season. David Quinn had been with New York since 2018. Assistant coaches David Oliver, Jacques Martin, and Greg Brown also dismissed. 
This comes less than a week after Chris Drury assumed both the team president and general manager roles when John Davidson and Jeff Gordon were both sent packing. A few things from me here. First of all, David Quinn is 54. I had no idea. I thought he looked way younger than that. He's a good looking dude. I hope he gets another gig soon. I had a chance to get to know him a little bit, doing some NBC work, really like him, and I hope he gets another chance. I think he got a raw deal in New York, and the Rangers panicked, and now they're doing this, and I guess we'll see what happens. But this radical direction change, it could work, but patience got tossed onto the subway tracks here. It'll be interesting to see who becomes the next coach, but even beyond that, Ben, this is going to be a volatile summer in Manhattan. I expect more moves there, especially bringing in some veteran guys. I'll tell you what, though, I think it's an extremely attractive job if I'm a head coach looking for employment right now, as far as a team that just this past season in New York, the youngest team in the NHL, so many young draft picks in that organization surrounded by high-end talent, Artemi Benarin, because of Banajet among those, Chris Kreider, who's been there for quite some time. There's a lot to work with there in New York and a team that, as we've noted, is, is trending in the right direction. Their rebuild has been going well. And if the youngest team in the NHL finishing in fifth place in the uber competitive East Division is considered underachieving, which is the company line there in New York right now, that's why they supposedly made these changes because they feel they underachieved. I'm not buying that. There's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes in New York. I think that's understood. But I think it's a very attractive job. I agree with you. I think David Quinn and his coaching staff got a raw deal. So many young players there and so many players in general have had career years under David Quinn, most notably on the back end. Adam Fox, a young defenseman, could be in the Norris Trophy conversation. I think they have a lot to work with there, whoever is brought in. And, and my guess, John, is it would be a coach with prior NHL head coaching experience. For Quinn, it was his first NHL job. I think a team now that's ready to take the next step, you probably bring, bring in a coach who's led a team on postseason runs, potentially deep postseason runs. And it's a group in New York that I think is ready to take the next step and I think certainly capable of taking the next step based on uh, the way it's constructed. We're not going to see John Tortorella part two here, are we? <laughs> They're rumblings. Chris Drury, you mentioned he's the man in charge. He captained the Rangers years ago when Torts was the head coach. There's a relationship there. He's worked with Panarin. You connect the dots. There's something brewing there, but I don't know that he's necessarily the guy. The other thing real quick on the Rangers, it's not a flawless roster. They need to add some grit and some grind and, and some sandpaper there. We saw when the Caps met them a few weeks ago and it was fight night galore. They don't necessarily have the roster that can really handle a heavy team like the Capitals, like some others in the division. A whole lot of skill, but still a number of areas to round out for a team, which again, still, the, the, the pieces are there. The nucleus is there. Just a matter of surrounding it now and bringing in, apparently, a, a new coaching staff. Adam Fox, I hope you like blocking shots. If it's John Tortorella, <laughs> we'll see. Game one, 7-15 Saturday. More first-round coverage to come tomorrow. Puck drop on Saturday night just after 7. We'll speak to you then, Ben. Have a great Thursday. Happy Thursday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.